everyone. Welcome to Mercy Talk. I am one of your hosts, Melanie Wise. And I'm your other host, Jen Otero. Mercy Talk is presented to you by Mercy Multiplied, a nonprofit Christian organization that is committed to seeing hope restored and lives transformed through the love and power of Christ. Since 1983, Mercy has helped thousands of young women break free from life-controlling behaviors and struggles through our free-of-charge, biblically-based residential program. That's right. And Mercy's outreach activities are designed to educate, equip, and empower men and women of all ages to live free and to stay free. So on Mercy Talk, we want to tackle real-life issues and everyday struggles that affect our lives by applying the same biblically-based principles of freedom that we've seen effectively change lives for 35 years. To find out more, go to mercymultiplied.com. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at Mercy Multiplied. Well, hey, everyone, we are really excited that you have joined us again today. We have very special guests. Pastor Mike and Stephanie Burnett are here from Life Point Church in Clarksville, Tennessee. They have been joining us last week, and then there was also a teaching the week before that by Pastor Mike. And we've just been kind of landing in this whole idea of identity and the importance that it is as sons and daughters to understand who God says we are so we can walk in a place of freedom. If you don't know much about Life Point Church, they are in Clarksville, but just recently it was released that they are the number one fastest growing church in the United States, which is just epic and awesome. <laughs> they are epic. just exploding. It's just very, very cool. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. with that in mind, it's all the more exciting that they have joined us because we know that their schedules are pretty packed. And as so. a side note, yes, can side I just note say away. like from my perspective, exploding in such good ways. Exactly. Like it's one thing when there's just a whole bunch of people <laughs> showing up and just numbers are growing and it's like, that's cool. But knowing, um, just from, I mean, I don't attend the church, but I know many who do yeah. and just knowing and seeing the impact. I know a lot of people that live in Clarksville and just knowing the impact that that church is having on that community. Yes. It's not growing its own empire. That's it's right. like actually impacting good, the community that it's in. And so it's growing in such a great way. And I just am like, it's impossible not to look at it and be like, it's because the Lord is blessing it. It's just growing in such healthy, good, life-giving, kingdom-focused ways. (laughs) So needless to say, we're very excited they're here and that we get to partner. So thank you guys for joining us. Thank you so much for having us. (laughs) Oh, I love it. So as Jen has already mentioned, last week we started discussing, and really this is, I guess, like the third week in this series on identity, um, and just the power that comes to us as as sons and daughters when we understand um, and really live from a place of who God says we are. And as we talked a lot about last week, not only knowing who God says we are, but knowing who God is, knowing right. His character, knowing His heart. Um, and there was just, there was, there was so much... I mean, there's just gold a lot from last week. And yeah. so we encourage you listeners, if you are just now tuning in um, to this series specifically, man, go back, listen to um, Pastor Mike's teaching from our home a couple of weeks ago, um, and then make sure that you go and listen last week. I think really set a lot of foundational conversation to what Absolutely. we're going to jump into today. Um, and so we would love, um, I know we gave Pastor Mike this opportunity last week, but Stephanie, we'd love to hear some from you just about what this journey has looked like for you as far as just finding identity. I think what we talked about last week is that every one of us has a story in right. this area that kind of no one's exempt from this. Um, and so what does this look like for you in your own life? 
Yeah. Thank you so much for having us today. We're yeah. so thrilled to be here. Uh, yeah. So this topic of identity is so important. And I know Mike shared last week a little bit um, about growing up with a single mom and there were three boys. So I grew up very differently. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, I have two parents that are still married to this day over 40 years. Wow. And I had a brother. And so a very different upbringing. And I grew up in the church, mm-hmm. um, very involved in youth ministry. And so um, the, the question of identity, you think like, oh, yeah, I should know all the way through, you know, but there are moments in our journey and mm-hmm. our um, uh, walk of life that I think maybe probably stand out to us where you go, oh, yeah, okay, that mm-hmm. was a, a defining moment for me. Yeah. You know? And so if I were to ask that question now, like, who am I? Um, if I were to answer that, um, I'm a wife, mm-hmm. I'm a mom. Um, I'm a pastor's wife. I'm a piano teacher. I'm a musician. You know, so all of these things, though, as I say those, those are more like roles, mm. right? Mm-hmm. Like uh, hats I wear, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and probably have more to do with the season of life I'm in, mm-hmm. yeah. right? Um, but that that's what I would say if someone said, who are you? What what do you do? You know, and, we, and that's synonymous a lot of times. Who am I with what I do? Yeah. Right? Um, so anyways... Um, I uh, actually used to be none of those things, right? Mm. Like if you look back, you know, when you're growing up, you don't really have those roles yet. You're yeah. as a kid, you know, sometimes I think, you know, in the scripture it talks about we need a childlike faith. I think there's something to that because mm, yeah. we've not, uh, we don't have things yet. You don't, you don't have money yet. Mm. You don't have a job or a title. You're mm-hmm. just, you know, you, you're just fully trusting of your parents, you know, mm-hmm. and, and the home that you're growing up in. And so the Lord looks at us like, I want you to love me just like a child loves their parents. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think our kids ever look at us and think like there's not going to be dinner on the table. They just mm-hmm. fully trust every day. In fact, they come in the kitchen. What's for dinner, mom? <laughs> you know, <laughs> right. And I get a variety expecting. of answers. <laughs> but uh, anyways, uh, I'm, I'm not a great cook. It's not my favorite thing. Girl, I'm with you. But they still Chick-fil-A, ask. They still ask. Yeah. That's yeah. not one of the hats. <laughs> okay, got it. So anyways, if I look look back on my uh, college years, actually, that might be more of a moment for me. So um, I moved away from Ohio to go to the University of Tennessee. And, you know, I was very stable in the youth ministry in the church, you know, it was just very much a comfortable place for me. And Mm. so I knew that, um, you know, I had also earned a full ride for music to go to UT. And I was very excited about this adventure, but there were so many unknowns. So here I was sitting in my dorm, you know, the first weekend and everyone's out and about getting to know people. I didn't have, I hadn't made friends yet, Mm. you know, and, um, also on this campus, uh, there's just a lot of opportunity, anything you're interested in, uh, uh, a lot of temptations, you Mm know, um, are available. And I just, I, I really had, um, an idea that I just, I wanted to serve the Lord. You know, I didn't want to get caught up in those things, but that means I said no to a lot of things. So I'd find myself, you know, in a dorm room on Friday night, me and the Lord just (laughs) hanging out (laughs) going, Lord, is this what this is all about? Like, you know, call, is this is this what the next four years is going to be? Yeah. You know? yeah. And, you know, this was just the first couple weekends, you know, just kind of feeling my way around this campus. Like, OK, Lord, it's you and me. And I really felt like th- those were some defining moments in my yeah. walk with the Lord. Like, who am I? Mm-hmm. You know, who am I going to be? It's like a clean slate. You know, in high mm-hmm. school, there's labels and everybody thinks you're this or part of this crowd or that crowd. But in college, that that slate is wiped clean. Yeah. So I just go, okay, Lord, I, I really, I do want to serve you. I do want to make a difference on this campus. But boy, it was lonely at times. Mm, yeah. But I felt like that's when God really um, reminded me and helped develop my character. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't matter what other people say. It doesn't matter what I am am participating in or I'm not participating in and, and what those opinions are. You know, mm. for example, I would I had a friend say, why don't you why don't you date around or why don't you go out and do these things. And I, and I said to her, you know, I think I just want to, um, 
date the person I'm going to marry. Mm-hmm. And she looked at me like I had three heads. <laughs> you have got three heads. What? I mean, it was mind boggling yeah. to her that I was, I said, look, I can tell someone's character and their personality and their integrity without having to be in a dating relationship with them. I'm just yeah. watching their life, you know? It's good. And uh, she, I mean, I don't think she ever heard anyone say that, yeah. you know? Mm. So I really just go, okay, Lord, I'm going to be with you. But I felt like, I felt like um, those moments before I was a wife, a mom, a teacher, um, in that dorm, I didn't have any labels yet. You know, mm-hmm. I fully trusted the Lord. I said, God, I don't know what you're doing. Sometimes I don't know why I'm here. Why mm-hmm. did I come here? It feels lonely. But I was trusting that, that I am who he says he am. And in those moments, it was that I am the apple of his eye, that he loves me and that he considers me his friend. Yeah. Like the God of the universe right. considers me his friend. Like, mm. who am I? Nobody. Yeah. I, I have nothing to offer. You know, mm. I'm just a broke college kid, right? <laughs> he says, I'm a daughter of the king. He said that I am his workmanship, right? He said that I'm made complete in Christ. Mm. And I go, wow. So the more we learn about those things, the more I go, yes, I believe that. So then it's like the quieter all the other voices get. Yeah. You know, when we magnify what yeah. God is saying in those scriptures, like those things don't seemingly have as much weight. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So yeah. then when people ask me, why don't you do this? or why aren't you going out with this person? I didn't care what they said. I was Mm. like, that's all right. Me and the Lord, we got a thing going, you know? Man. So anyways, that that was probably a moment. So fast forward 20 years. Here we are 20 years ago. (laughs) Listen, (laughs) I know. 20 years. Same mark. Four four babies later. Mm -hmm. I still have to know that I'm not defined by how I'm doing as a mom. I'm not defined by... um, what what it is being a wife, right? Or the expectations that the church push, puts on me as mm. a pastor's wife. Yeah. Those things still don't define me. I have to go back to those quiet moments where I honestly just kind of sh- shed all of those labels mm. and it's just me and the Lord. Yeah. I think that's why getting a- alone with the Lord is so important. Mm. We got to shut the noise out and go, okay, Lord, like kind of recalibrate. Yeah. Who do you say that I am, right? Yeah. And so reminding myself of that, even 20 years down the road, you know, now that we feel like, okay, in some ways I feel like I'm living um, a lot of the dreams and the goals I had set up for myself, which mm-hmm. was to be a mom, you know, I wanted to be in ministry, you know, I can't ever say I wanted to be a preacher, you know, like mm-hmm. be up front. I don't mm-hmm. love being up front, but, um, you know, so I've hit those goals, but that doesn't define who I am. Mm-hmm. That's not my, indi- my ad- identity in Christ. Mm-hmm. It's who he says that I am. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's so good. It's making me think, um, just back to the recent parenting series that we did. We did two months of, um, podcast on parenting and, it just kept going back to this whole idea of like, you will, you can know all the parenting tools and tips and read all the books in the world, but you will only be as healthy of a parent as you are healthy of a person. Mm -hmm. And so the importance of knowing, and I just was thinking, as you were saying, like all the hats we wear, um, I am a much healthier wife when I know that my identity is not in being a wife Mm -hmm. or that my purpose or that my value is right. all in me as a wife because if it is it's going to be we're going it's going to be hard you know, a hard <laughs> right. life ahead of us if i right. think that all my value and identity and worth is in me being a wife to pete mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. know um and the same with being a mother and the same with you are more you are healthier in all of those hats that you wear when you are so grounded in your identity in christ right it changes all of it yeah. um so i um am interested to know you know just that 
the the truth is that God is pleased with us and sees us. And this is something that I've had to walk through a lot recently is that his pleasure is on me, not because I've done a lot of great things for him mm. or that I've like, you know, helped do this workshop or do these podcasts or whatever. Like his pleasure rests on me because I am his daughter. That's right. That's right. Period. Yep. Um, and so I'm just interested to know y'all's thoughts on how, how can we, how can we more practically align with that truth that we are first and foremost sons and daughters? And and what are some very, um, I, I don't know, just any thoughts that you have on that. I don't want to script your your answer here. So just anything that you would say in re, in regards to that. Well, again, thanks for having us back. Yeah, uh, Steph, you're just awesome. <laughs> um, so he is not impressed. I I've said this a lot to our church. God's not impressed with your devotion. Uh, like your, your check boxes on devotion time. Yeah. God's not impressed with your output. Um, he's gifted you and it's almost like him going, yeah, I know I did that through you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what else you want to talk, what else you want to say about what yeah. I did for you? Yeah. Um, so good. Cause we're spiritually, pe- spiritually gifted people. Mm. He's impressed with Christ and what Christ has done for you. Mm. So my pastor, Chris Hodges says, you know, at judgment, God's going to say, what'd you do with Jesus? And if you said yes to Christ and you've accepted, then it's like, oh, sweet. Then, you know, okay, I accept you. You're my son. You're my, my pleasure's on you because my yeah. pleasure was on Jesus. Uh-huh. And he lived, he literally said, my food is to do the will of the Father, mm-hmm. right? My nourishment is to do the will of the Father to please God. And so if he's pleased God and I've accepted Jesus' pleasuring of the Lord, of the Father, then he's pleased with me. Mm-hmm. Whether I get my quiet time in this week, today, mm-hmm. this day, mm-hmm. or not, uh, whether I pastor a fast growing church. I lead a podcast. I lead someone to Jesus. God's going, yeah, no, I did all that. Like, it's not about you. It's about me. It's my kingdom. I don't share my kingdom with anybody, but his pleasure in us is because of Jesus. Mm -hmm. And it's literally, I mean, it's through the filter of Christ in us. This goes back to over and over and over again. Paul talks about being found in Christ, in Christ, in Christ. The spirit of God dwells in us. I mean, that, that whole connection is it's about being found in him. Mm. And that's what brings him pleasure. Mm. It's literally the solution to the cosmic problem of sin. God, I was, I was explaining this uh, just yesterday to a guy I was in counseling with. I said, God is so gracious to create us. He didn't need us, right? Mm-hmm. Like he was complete in himself as Trinity, as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Genesis 1-1 says in the beginning, Elohim, God, plural, majesty, God, created. Verse 26, and then God said, let us... So there's the plurality of the Godhead. Mm -hmm. So he's completely satisfied in his own Mm -hmm. divine essence, right? Mm -hmm. I'm getting a little nerdy here, so just roll with me. So you said, God, verse 26, (laughs) God said, let us make man in our image. Mm -hmm. So we're relational, we're triune, we're we're body, soul, spirit, et cetera. And uh, and in in, in our image, he created us. In his image, he created us. So in his grace, he created us. In his grace, he gave us free will to reject him or accept him. How gracious is that? Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, what a good father. What a good, good father. Mm-hmm. And he goes, hey, I don't need you, but I want you. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to make you in a way that you don't even need to want me. But mm-hmm. you're going to need me. But mm-hmm. you don't You don't have to want me, but I want you to want me. And then when we rejected him, he goes, but I got the answer for that mm-hmm. too. Yeah. I mean, what a gracious father. <laughs> so I'm going to come back around and I'm going to save you. And then in the meantime, I'm going to try to deal with you face to face as a king. You're going to reject me and I'm going to say, you don't need a king. I'm your king. People go, we want a king. So he goes, I'm going to give you a judge. They go, no, nah, give us a king. So they give him a king and the king fails him. And he's like, I told you I'd be your king. I, yeah. I just, this is how I read yeah, the Bible. You I like know? it. It's kind of narrative between yes. God. It's the MIV, Mike's yeah. internet. Yeah. And so <laughs> then he goes, I'm going to bring Jesus because that's what you really need. Hmm. And actually, not only will you, I'll give you the freedom to blow it, but I'll pay for it when you blow it. Hmm. I'll pay for it. You don't. I don't even need you to pay for it. 
Yeah. Like your sins are atoned for and paid for. And so when I think that story is lost in the sinner's prayer, mm. in the this idea of just trying to get people to convert to an idea, mm. we've got to know the meta narrative of God's cosmic this this meta narrative of the story of the gospel. It mm. started at creation. It's all an act of grace. That he graciously made us, he gave us the willing, the freedom to reject him, and then said, "And when you do, I'll fix that too, and mm-hmm. I'll pay for it, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I'll be long suffering with you, and I'll, I'll cover you, I'll care for you, I'll gift you." Oh, oh, oh! And then on the back end of it all, this is crazy. He goes, "Hey, even when you're still not perfect, I'm going to put my spirit in you to make my name better, mm-hmm. not your name better, mm-hmm. to make my name better." Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's a good, he's a good, good father, right? <laughs> sure I just, is. I love the thought. I mean, and I just don't think I've ever heard that before. Of like, not only sometimes we we talk about this in re, in relation to like when we mess up and when we sin. Well, God sees you as this, mm-hmm. but I love the flip side of that. That even when you think you've done all these great things, He's like, yeah, because I did it. I actually did that because <laughs> it's my spirit at work in you, right? Like so. Oh, did oh, you? Well, okay. I'm so impressed so, about you right now. So Melanie. you know the story of Job, right? Like everybody quotes the story of Job, and we don't get past like four chapters because mm-hmm. we just go, "Wow, that's devastating." Mm. Okay, what's the end of the story? Mm-hmm. In Job chapter 38, Job's friends are all complaining, his wife's complaining. Job's kind of getting a little cranky, and then God says to Job through a whirlwind, "It says, God goes, okay, Job, uh, stand up, dress like a man. In other words, you want to man up to me, stand like a man. Now listen." Uh-huh. Were you there when I created mm-hmm. the heavens? It's, fun to, it's the best. Like, were you there yeah. when I did everything, Job? Because tell me about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. give me some measurements. Like, uh-huh. tell me about that. How uh-huh. was that, Job? I just, <laughs> I hear this really sarcastic uncle in God's tone kind of there, awesome. like, oh, yeah, Job, yeah. Uh, how was creation for you? <laughs> oh, that's right, because you weren't there. Do you not remember how big and how grand and how massive and how infinite I am? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so you're dealing with a little bit of pain? Joe, come mm-hmm. on, man. I mean, in the, in the scope of all things cosmic and huge, yeah, you lost your whole yeah. herd and your every, you got boils on your face. Okay, that's terrible. But don't forget how big I am. Mm. And I got you, man. And, and that's really God's ultimate end is not to rebuke him and leave him just sitting there in a corner weeping, going, I'm sorry, God. He goes, don't forget, Job, how big I am and how much I love you. Mm-hmm. And I've got you. Yeah. Though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I got you. Mm. I mean, yeah. if his own son had to go to the cross yeah. and without a word, mm-hmm. and he begged God, he said, hey, if I don't have to do this, that'd be mm-hmm. great. Right. God's like, no, you have to do it. It's mm-hmm. not for you. It's for them. Mm-hmm. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, yeah, it, God's always with us and he's always remi- like for our good, even what the enemy means for harm, God will use for good. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. anyway, I just think we lose sight of the bigness of mm-hmm of God's pleasure and presence and his plan. It's just, yes. I didn't mean for those to all start with P. Hey, pleasure, the sermon presence, there, it is. there it is. I'll write it down for <laughs> you. Write that down. <laughs> so why should you donate to Mercy Multiply? Well, it's simple. God has called us to be a part of a cause greater than ourselves. I love Nancy's vision and heartbeat for Mercy Multiplied, and I've seen the lives changed. I love that they offer these first-class, amazing facilities free of charge to these young women um, to teach them um, the value that they have in God's eyes and what it looks like to live a better and best version of the life God's called them to live. But that's got to come by some of us in the background 
supporting those who are on the front lines, living life day in and day out with these young women and helping them take the next step. One of my songs is called Do Something and it talks about um, the story of somebody like me, maybe standing around uh, looking at the injustices of the world and, and saying, Lord, why don't you do something about it? Meanwhile, we come to realize that perhaps God's response is, I did, I created you. Are we going to do something? Are we going to support the ministry of Mercy Multiplied so that it can keep going on and multiplying the lives changed? Uh, it's up to us to do something about that. Well, Mike, in addition to what we've been talking about with this whole idea of the pleasure of God, I know on our break we were discussing kind of the prodigal son and that story and what that you were talking about just how that really talks about even identity, that there's a there's a theme throughout all of that. Would you mind kind of sharing a little bit more of that for listeners as well? Sure. It's it's one of the parables that I'm actually uh, finally, for the first time ever, I'm writing a book on wow. kind oh, of the story of our right. church. We get asked a lot, you know, kind of what's our silver bullet? What are, yeah. What's our secret? We don't have any secrets. We do the same thing every other church does. Uh, we preach the Bible. We have kids ministry and worship and we make mistakes and mm-hmm. all that kind of <laughs> But <clears throat> we do have an amazing dream team and a staff that's awesome. But... For us, we really focus on the culture of our church. And it's interesting. I have this line in the book that I'm writing. Uh, Jesus never told us how to do church. He just told us how it should feel. Yeah. So he constantly said the kingdom of God is like. The kingdom of God is like. And so if we're a church of Jesus Christ, we belong to his kingdom. And he taught us how it should feel, what hmm. it should feel like. So, right, like the the, the the parable of the lost coin. The kingdom of God is like a person who lost a coin. And they flipped their whole house upside down trying to find it. It was so precious. And many of us want the preciousness of God's kingdom without flipping our lives upside down, mm. right? Or he said the the story of the, the lost sheep. The kingdom of God's like a shepherd who has 100 sheep and one gets away, and he'll leave the 99 to go for the one. And so um, that's the heart of the kingdom, that he'll go after those who are missing, you know, mm-hmm. and, and not just disgruntled church people. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about people who drift from God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the kingdom should be a place, the, the family of God should be a people who go after the missing, the mm-hmm. wounded, the broken, the widow, the orphan, the mercy ladies, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? So then in the prodigal son, probably no parable has really impacted me as heavily, partly because uh, I've, we've all been that son mm-hmm. and I've also been the older son. And mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> I think... I think I've, as I've shared it to our church, nothing probably gets me as fired up because I think about the missing in our city and, and in our town. And, and I remember going, I shared it last week about being a seven-year-old kid being kicked out of a church because uh, we didn't match the description of holy enough mm-hmm. people. Um, so the story of the prodigal son in Luke 15 is, is a father had two boys and uh, they worked the father's farm, the, farm, the father's land. And who, who's to say how big it was? It didn't matter. But the younger son comes and he says to his father, he says, I want my inheritance. I want to go do my own thing. And what, a, what a, a loving father. He says, okay, you can have it. I mean, I've worked all this for you and you can have it now. Um, so the way it worked in the ancient culture, the older son would get two portions and the younger son would get one. Mm. And so that, no matter how many kids there were, if there were five kids, they divided into six. The older one would get a double portion. That's where that idea comes mm-hmm. from. And all the rest, we get a single portion of the inheritance. So the younger son says, I want my inheritance. So he gets a third of the father's everything. But obviously there's physical land, so he had to just cash out to the kid. And so he gives him his money, and it says not many days later, he left on a far journey. And he went and spent his entire inheritance on wild living. Mm -hmm. So just for the record, prodigal, that's the word prodigal. It's lavish spender. Wow. Uh, Tim Keller wrote a book called Prodigal. I knew that. Yeah, Tim Keller wrote a book called Prodigal God. 
It'll wreck your life, honestly. The, hmm. Most people define prodigal as wayward, mm-hmm. backslidden. Yeah, that's right. But prodigal, by definition, is lavish spender, hmm. rec- reckless spender. Hmm. And you give an 18-year-old a third of your money, he's going to blow uh, it. Yes. Right. It's like a trip to Every Vegas. All 18-year-olds, prodigals. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and honestly, there's no indication, as Jesus tells the story, that the kid was in sin. Hmm. Uh, in fact, if you go back and study it, it just says he just spent it all on wild living. Yeah. And when I was 18, I had like three credit cards. I had a bunch of credit card t-shirts, which is why I had all these credit cards. <laughs> I wasn't good with money. <laughs> the table That's awesome. That's, you that they would that? position. Oh, man. And you're like, oh, look at all the cool things. Come get a free t-shirt and a frisbee. Yes, that's right. Frisbee. Just just give away your credit score. Yes. That's all we need. So then it says the son um, gets to a point where he's serving in another man's farm, and he's basically uh, dealing with pigs, which for a Jewish boy is a terrible position, right? And he's trying to eat the leftover food that the pigs rejected, which pigs will eat anything. They'll Mm. even eat pigs. Like, Mm. they'll eat anything. Mm. And so uh, he's got slop on his face, pig feces and mud and all that kind of stuff. And it says he came to himself, mm-hmm. which I think is just a defining moment for mm-hmm. him. It says he came to himself and then he has this revelation. He said, He's, even my father's servants have it better than I do, right? So he's starting to reconnect to the father and the story of his father. He says, my father's servants have it better than me. So I'm going to, and he works up this three-part sermon. He said, I'm going to go home and repent to my father. I'm going to tell him I'm not worthy to be his son, but a servant, and I'm going to ask for a job. Mm -hmm. So uh, he had squandered his money. He came to himself. He said, how many of them are doing better than me, uh, have enough bread? I perish with hunger. So I'm going to tell him, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Let me have a job as a servant. It's a good little Baptist sermon, right? Three points. There you go. Three points. I'm a three-point guy. (laughs) So then it says he rose to come to his father, and while he was still a long way away, the father saw him which immediately Mm. tells you something about the heart of the father to be looking for the missing, right? Um, So as soon as his father sees him, he sprints to him, like just dead sprint, which again is a cultural Mm. faux pas. Older men, it's the same with Zacchaeus. He ran ahead up to climb up that tree. Older men in the ancient culture just didn't run ahead. They sent people to Mm -hmm. run. Mm. The older father sprints to the boy and he gets to him and the boy starts in on his, like, He's getting anxious, and the father just starts kissing him. It says he embraces him and starts kissing, which is facial kisses, which is gross because he's got pig slop and everything. Mm. Else on. And the boy starts in on his speech. He's got three part message he'd been working on. Mm-hmm. So he starts in. He gets through two points. He goes, "Father, I've sinned against heaven and earth, uh, against heaven and you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son." And then it says the father shushed him and says to the servants, "Bring my son a robe, a ring, and some shoes." And kill the best fat calf. Let's throw a party. Yeah. So he immediately reconnects identity to the mm-hmm. boy. He calls him my son. Mm-hmm. Um, the boy was dealing with identity in the pig slop. He goes, my father's servants have it. But he left the father. He'd rejected the father. He took everything and left. Mm-hmm. But he knew he came to himself and knew the heart of the father would take him back. Mm-hmm. So anyway, there's this whole cat- catastrophic just moment with the father and the younger brother and and he's like, I don't even want to hear all that. I don't care. You're here. He doesn't make him explain it. He doesn't make him pay for anything. In fact, if you go back and remember, he spent everything on the son that he was owed. Hmm. And as soon as the son shows up, he starts spending again. Right. Give him a ring. Give him a robe. Give him some shoes. This is where the prodigal actually describes the father. Mm-hmm. And Tim Keller in his book makes a point to say God is prodigal towards us. He keeps spending mm-hmm. his grace on us. He keeps That's spending awesome. mercy on us, right? So anyway, the story goes on and Jesus says... 
they get them all cleaned up. They're having this party. You know, you can just imagine like the, the Jewish disco little, <laughs> right? So they're, I haven't yeah. imagined that, well, but now that. I do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now it's there. A little shalom, a little Jewish music going. Oh, shalom. So far. So far. Yes. A couple of those. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Um, and so then it says the older brother uh, comes back in the scene. It says, now the older brother was in the field and as he came and drew near the house, so this day is over. The, the work's over at sunset. He's dusting himself off. He's been working. For some reason, the older brother didn't see any of this exchange. Yeah. How did he miss his father running mm-hmm. across the field? Mm-hmm. Because he was consumed with himself. That's how. Because he wasn't focused on anybody but his, his own thing. Hmm. And it says uh, he was drawing near to the house and he hears the music and the dancing. That's why I said there's a little. There's dancing. Surely. And so he calls one of the servants out. And they're all his servants, right? Like he's got everything left. He calls out a servant. He says, what is all this going on? And the servant says, now watch the identity language. He says to the older brother, your brother's back. Mm -hmm. And your father has killed a fattened calf because he has received him back. And he's safe and sound. But the older brother was angry and refused to go in. And the father comes out and he entreats the son. And the older brother says to his father, look, all these years I have served you. I never disobeyed you. You never gave me a goat so that I can celebrate with my friends. Hmm. Very selfish, very self-motivated. And then he says, but when this son of yours came, Hmm. so he is like casting this guy away from even, because the servants called him his brother. Mm -hmm. And next, the father's going to say, your brother's alive. Mm -hmm. But the older brother says, no, this is your son. Hmm. I don't even want him. I don't have ownership of him. I don't love him. I don't belong to him. And then the older brother says, this son of yours came back and you throw him a party with a fattened calf. He said, all he did, he devoured all your property and he spent everything you gave him on prostitutes. By the way, the first accusation of sin on the younger brother came from the older brother. Mm, Jesus wow. never said the younger brother sinned. Mm, wow. That's where we get the idea that the prodigal son was sinning. It's because the older brother accused him of that. Mm-hmm. Well, how would he even know that? He has no recollection because he's been busy, focused on his own thing. Mm. And so he said, this son of yours comes home and you give him a fat and cat. All he did was spend all your money on prostitutes. And the father says to him, Son, he starts in with the older brother calling him son. I love that. Mm-hmm. He says, everything I have is yours. Mm-hmm. It's all your kingdom when I die. I mean, come on. But this, your brother, he tries to reinsert identity into this older brother. He said, but your brother was dead. Now he's alive. He was lost. And now he's found. Of course, that's where we get the language for mm-hmm. um, amazing grace. And in that, there's so many layers to this story. And, and when I've told my taught our church this story. I I talk about it from the heart of a loving father versus an older brother spirit. And I think our world is full of people who are living in their own filth Mm -hmm. and they're living in their own issues and they're living in their own desire to spend their life how they want. And they're coming to themselves and they have a moment where God is drawing them, right? Jesus said, no one comes to the father unless the spirit draws them. No one comes to me unless the father draws them. They're coming to themselves and they're saying, I got to get back to the father's house. Yeah. Hmm. The problem is they're being met at the doors of many of our churches by older brothers and not loving fathers. Mm -hmm. And older brothers say, what are you doing? Mm -hmm. Who do you think you Mm -hmm. are? You're gay, you're Democrat or Republican, or you're a divorcee, or you're a whatever our modern day leprosy Mm -hmm. is. You've been spending your life all kinds of ways instead of meeting the loving father. Mm -hmm. Those are the people that kicked us out of a church, Mm -hmm. those older brothers. And so people are coming like crazy trying to get to the heart of the father 
And we want to be a church like that. Like this is what I'm writing about in a book. I, mm-hmm. We will desperately work to have the heart of a loving father instead of an older brother. And I've told our church before, I said, if you want to have an older brother heart, either get saved or get out of this church because yeah. we don't have room. There's prodigals coming home. Mm. They're coming home to meet their God, their father. They're all jacked up. They have so many issues. But so we're gonna ha- we're gonna have this. I, I, I don't want to hear that. Yeah, I'm just glad you're here. Let's yeah. throw a party. Let's celebrate that you're here. Let's thank God that you're present. But it, 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 the restoration came at an identity level. The father yeah. says, "My son's home." He put his ring back on, which is a huge marker of identity. Mm-hmm. So now this boy walks around with the ring of the father. Mm. Every servant knows. That boy's running stuff now. Mm-hmm. He gives him shoes to walk proudly in his own home in a robe. And, you know, I think that's symbolic, too, of what God does with us when he clothes us in righteousness. Mm-hmm. You know, like we're no longer seen for our sin, our shame, our scars. Again, all S's. But uh, <laughs> but he restores our relationship. He restores identity. And, and if we're not careful, we'll start listening to the labels of culture or the labels of religion mm-hmm. that still don't look past the pig slop that we came out of mm-hmm. and see the road that's wrapping us up and we'll start believing mm-hmm. like we're not good enough. Yeah. I, I struggle with these sexuality issues or I struggle with these addiction issues or I struggle with sin. And we start believing what the older brothers say to us of who we are instead of remembering that the father has wrapped us in his identity, mm-hmm. wrapped us in righteousness. And so anyway... That that story is just, it's it's so powerful. And again, Jesus didn't tell us how to do church, but he said how it should feel. Yeah. And that is a parable that I think should shape every church mm-hmm. in America, mm-hmm. in the it's world, so honestly, because prodigals are spending their lives on their own thing. Yeah. And they're coming to themselves going, I got to get back to the Father. Yeah. yeah. They don't even know what's drawing them it, because of the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. that they don't mm-hmm. have in them yet. And I just beg God to let us be a church full of loving fathers mm-hmm. and not older brothers. It's so good. And I think that so beautifully captures exactly what we've been talking about for these last two shows of just understanding his heart and understanding his character. And and even if, I mean, as you've been telling that story, I was just thinking back to a moment I had a year ago where the prodigal son story hit me in like the deepest place of me for the first time ever. And it wasn't because... Um, I had gone off into wild living, if you will, but I had really, I mean, like I just had not engaged with the Lord in a while. Like it had been a while. I was doing lots of ministry stuff, doing all the things, but me and Jesus, like I felt so distanced from him and I almost felt like my heart, my heart really had wondered like that, (laughs) the line from the hymn prone to wonder. I'm like, yes, (laughs) yes. And yes, prone (laughs) to wonder. And I just remember like. I was actually about to speak at a women's conference and I was, it was the last song before I was about to go up on the stage. And I just remember sitting there going, uh, Jesus, I haven't really connected with you in a while (laughs) and I'm about to go speak and I need, and there was this voice in me that was like, how dare you think that you could wander and then all of a sudden, right when you need him, he's just going to like pop in and be present for you, whatever. And I just, I like immediately got the picture of the sun running and there are the dad running to the son and then him just reminding me like, don't you know that my heart just celebrates when you come back? I don't put an ounce of shame on you. I don't put condemnation and I'm not going to withhold anything from you right now. Like as you go up on that stage right now, I'm going to pour out Holy Spirit just because I can, because I love you. Yeah, that's right. Not because you earned it or you deserve it out of that. And I just, I remember literally falling apart and I'm like, I got to go speak. <laughs> I got up on that stage and I was like, okay, I was, like, I was just literally already a hot mess. But I just think understanding how much 
that shapes identity, but just shapes the father's heart towards his kids. It's just, it's huge. It's a powerful. Well, we read that parable too, and, and we always want to identify with somebody in there. Mm-hmm. And all of us have identified with the prodigal mm-hmm. at certain times. All of us want to identify with the father. Come on, let's be oh, real. Sure. Like, oh, yes, yeah. that's totally that's me. <laughs> but the reality is what you just described as an older brother spirit. I was so busy in the field of the father mm, yep. doing ministry yep. that I wasn't really connected to him. Had the son, had the older son been close to the father, he would have been looking for the younger brother mm, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But he was just busy doing his own thing in the father's field. Yeah. And it's so easy. That's where I think it's, it's not like church people are malicious or religious people are malicious. They just get so focused in their own fields, mm. doing it the way we've always done it, doing the ministry, the way we've always, you know, building our own little kingdom within God's kingdom mm. that we lose a connection to the heart of the father. Yeah. Mm. And, and I think no one gets there intentionally. I think it's just because of, distance from the heart of the father. And I am of the two of us for sure, the most guilty of workaholism and working myself away from God's Mm. heart while making sure everybody else is getting close to Mm -hmm. me. Right. Mm -hmm. And so if, if we're honest, since we're honest, (laughs) um, our tendency towards all three characters is, is very normal. Mm -hmm. Um, But you know, if we could default uh, to the heart of the father, Mm -hmm. that's, that's going to be the preferred. Well, I know, there's surely a lot of people listening that are like, I want that book right now. <laughs> so do you have any information on uh, when, where, yet, no. nothing? Okay, it's, it's just in the works. To, uh, I'm, it, I'm a couple chapters in. I'm working with a writer to help me on it as well. He's one of my okay. longest, uh, oldest friends in ministry. Um, and we're p- pitching it. It's got some traction. We'll see. God willing, it'll. we'll just see. If, if the Lord wants it to be out, it'll be out. All right. Well, if not, we'll be excited for it. We'll, we'll be just looking. talk about it. <laughs> if not, I'll just do more podcasts about it. <laughs> Perfect. Hey, we'll take that. <laughs> well, oh my goodness, there's so much to ponder. And I will be looking up that book, Prodigal God. Did you say it was by Tim Keller? Tim Keller. That's right. So y'all get that one and I probably will be too. But as we get ready to wrap up, Stephanie, would you mind once again, I know you prayed last week, but also praying just for our listeners today. Yes. And thank you again so much for having us. This has been such a great uh, conversation and reminder about the heart of God. So let's pray for our listeners. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity, God, to to be in your presence. And God, wherever the listeners are right now, I pray that your presence would just overwhelm them, Lord. I thank you for your peace, God, if they're going through situations and And just trials, Lord, that you will be with them, Lord, and that no matter uh, what storm is coming, God, I pray that their feet would be on solid rock, God, Mm -hmm. and they would be reminded of their identity in Christ, Lord, and that you have a heart towards us, God, that even when we do wander, even even when we do find ourselves in situations, God, that we feel like we've drifted, Lord, that you welcome us back with open arms, Lord, and and we're standing, God, help us to remember to plant our feet on that solid rock by spending the time with you, by Mm -hmm. investing in our relationship with you you, God, and and that you're there for us, Lord. I just thank you for the scripture, God. We're just reminded that our old self was crucified with Christ and that we are no longer slaves to sin, God. Mm -hmm. These promises, Lord, we just want to focus on them and dwell on them, Lord. We thank you that we are a chosen people, God, a holy nation, Mm -hmm. God, that we can declare the praises of of who you are, and God, that that you called us out of darkness into your light, Lord, and we just just want to uh, be renewed uh, with your scripture, God, with the truth, Lord, so that we're not swayed to the right or to the left, God. That you love us and you've called us, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, guys, we cannot thank you enough for the time that you've spent with us these last couple of weeks. Um, And we're just, I mean, man, I just feel fuller. Fuller. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) Um, And so um, just. 
thank you so much for taking the time away from, I can't imagine what all in the world you guys have going on at this time. So we're very grateful and honored and humbled. It's our pleasure. Awesome. Yes, thank you so much. Well, guys, we're a week away from Thanksgiving, so yes, we are. Happy Thanksgiving to you all. <laughs> we are gonna we are gonna actually post. We are posting um, on Thanksgiving Day. We're gonna do just kind of a special um, Thanksgiving focused show. Yep, that day. So, um, and then we're gonna wrap up this series the week after that. We're gonna um, Brooke will be back with us. All of you are Mercy Talk listeners. You know our friend Brooke will be joining us, and Jen and I will be sharing a little bit about about identity and what that's looked like in our own lives personally. So we're excited about that. And uh, thank you again for joining us. We hope you enjoyed the show today. If you have any thoughts or questions about what we discussed, or if you'd like to share your ideas for future podcast topics, please let us know by emailing us at mercytalk at mercymultiply.com. And if you're enjoying Mercy Talk, be sure that you go to Apple Podcasts to subscribe and to leave us a five-star review. We also want to remind you that Mercy Multiplied and Mercy Talk are funded solely by donors, and we are so thankful for the support of so many people all over the country and even the world. So please consider supporting this free programming by giving a gift at mercymultiplied.com. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at Mercy Multiplied. Thanks for listening today, and we hope you'll join us next week.